0: Now this week, we're gonna continue as our series talking about masks. We're talking about what, why do we wear masks, not just for Halloween, but every day in life. We, we wear masks because we're often trying to project something or protect something. We, we don't want people to see the real us, and so we tend to wear masks in life. Now this week, I wanna talk about a mask that I imagine many, if not all of us deal with, and that I'm calling the mask of approval. It's this idea that we want others to approve of us. We want others to want us. And and I feel like this all stems from this one of the most basic uh, needs that all humans experience. And that is the desire to be loved and accepted by others. We all have that. We all want to be wanted. In the words of the great theologian, I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I'd love you to love me. And I'm begging you. to be. Y'all know that theologian, what's the, what's the name? Cheap Trick. All right, somebody knew it. Okay, that's a band, all right? Just for those of you trying to figure out who this is. But I think the words speak to something we all feel inside. And that is, I, I want you to want me. I need you to, to need me. There's a thing inside all of us that is longing for others to approve of us and if i could just be totally blunt honest with you today this is something i have personally wrestled with my entire life For, from the time i was young even till now i've wrestled with this constant sense of I, I want you to like me i want you to approve of me so much so that when i look back in life i what i realize is that i find myself constantly performing to get others to like me I, I see how I did this as a kid. A lot of times it was through sports. Now I grew up with an older brother and my dad who all loved to play sports. And so sports was kind of our thing. That was our bonding thing. And so we played every sport you can imagine. We played basketball. We played tennis. We played racquetball. We, I mean, if it was a sport, if you could compete at it, wrestling, okay? We, we did it. We went at it. And, and I feel like I was as the youngest and I was the smallest, and I was the weakest. And so I think there was something because of that that was in me that was constantly trying to compare and trying to prove myself that I could handle myself. And so I, I found myself caught into this thing where I'm constantly performing, and I'm, I think that's where I got, honestly, this deep desire to compete. I like to compete. Like I will race you to the door. I'll race you to the restaurant. It doesn't matter. I I'm always competing, and I think it stems back to this this need to prove myself in my family, and and I did this all through my my childhood. I did this in sports most often. I, I remember, and I have some vivid memories of when I did sports in school. And the memories that I have were often connected to really me performing often to get my dad's approval. Because we always competed and I always wanted to be seen on, on that level. And I remember my senior year, uh, I decided to run track. And I know you're looking at me thinking, oh my gosh, you do look like a track star. Not really, but I, I, I had a friend, my best friend in high school, Michael, he came to me, he was like, hey, we're all gonna run track, you all run track with us. I'm like, dude, I don't run track. He was like, no, no, it's easy. You don't have to be good to make the track team. You just, you come and you run, you do your little race or you do your event. It takes a few seconds. And then you can spend like the next couple hours meeting girls from the other school. I was like, sign me up. I'm a track star. Give me them short shorts. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and so I, I, I ran track my senior year. And the thing was, my dad didn't really come to hardly any of my track meets. And If you're a parent who has a kid who runs track, you know exactly why. It's one of the most miserable things you could ever imagine. You go there, you watch your kid, they compete for like 30 seconds, and then you sit for an hour and a half, okay? And and so he didn't come, and didn't have a lot of time to come to my track meets, and that was okay. It was fine, I guess. And I wasn't really there to kind of, you know, prove myself to him. I was there to meet girls. And so I was lining up the one particular track meet. I guess I can vividly remember exactly this moment. I lined up to run the 400, and as soon as the gun went off, I took off running, and I was you know, running, making my first 100 as I rounded the corner, and there in the corner of my eye, and I had no idea, but out of my peripheral, I saw my dad standing on the other side of the fence cheering me on. Let me just tell you what, I ran harder and faster than I had ever run before to that moment. And I'm not even gonna tell you what place I came in, because that's not important (laughs) what matters is that there there was something inside of me that I think constantly trying to prove myself and wanting his approval I was performing to get approval let me let me just tell you this wasn't just when I was in high school I have found that this has carried all throughout my life where where at times I, I find myself constantly performing to get approval. Can I tell you when I struggle with this or how I struggle with this the most? Right now. Every Sunday when I preach, and I know I'm coming to preach God's word, but can I tell you what I feel on the inside? I feel like I'm performing. I know I'm preaching, but really what it feels like I'm performing because... I don't know about you, but it's not that easy to stand in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, over a thousand people that will stare at me for 40 minutes. And all I can think in the back of my head is that person looks bored. That person's half asleep. They wish they didn't come, but they got drugged here by their parents. Like, this is what I wrestle with. It's one of my greatest joys. Don't get me wrong. But it's also one of the greatest stresses of my life. Because the whole time, all I'm thinking is I hope it's good enough. I hope they like it. I hope they think it's funny enough. I hope they don't think it's too long, but it's not too short that they say, why did we get ready and even come to church? I, I, I think all these things. Will they like the message? Will they like what I'm wearing? Will they think it's cool? Will they not think it's cool? These are the thoughts that go through my mind every Sunday. Okay, look, I'm just, I'm using you like a therapist instead of paying for it. I just, this is my time on the couch, alright? Leave me alone. And, uh, and I feel like I'm performing, but I know I'm preaching. Why? Why? Because I, I want your approval. There's something I've wrestled with. And you want to know the hardest thing for me every Sunday? The hardest thing is, is sometimes when you don't know how you did. That's what happens when you perform. Right? I'm not sure. Like, you know, one of the worst things ever a pastor deals with is when they hear nothing at all. Like, it's better if you don't like the message, come tell me. Yeah, it wasn't very good. I'm okay with that. But when you hear nothing, you know the worst thing is when you go home and you're just, it's after church and I hear nothing, nothing for my family, not a peep, not a word. And you know, it's kind of like, man, how how was church today? You know, and my daughter's like, oh, dude, the worship was so good. Did you hear Jackie? She's that amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else? You know what I mean? Is Is that it? Just music, worship. It's because there's this thing that I've always wrestled with that that I I want others to, to approve. And maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe some of you honestly feel the same way. Here's a question. How do we know if we're living for the approval of others? how do we know if this is a thing if it becomes a mask because a lot of times what it is is that we start performing we start doing things just to get people to like us and we don't even realize it becomes a mask in our lives i want to give you today five indicators maybe you'll write some of these down think about them if they connect with you five indicators that you might be someone who's living for the approval of others i didn't come up with all of these i heard some of these in a sermon once and i've added some of my own but i think These are so true, and honestly, I struggle with pretty much all five, okay? All five. Maybe some of you can identify. Here's the first one. Um, Are you someone who often worries what people think? Do you always think about what other people think? You worried what they think about your clothes, what they think about your outfit, what they think about your hair, what they think about your makeup, what they think about what you're driving. That you're constantly thinking about what people think about your work and your house. And she came over and I decorated my house, and she didn't say anything at all about the house. And so maybe she just thinks it's old and outdated. And I just I don't know. Maybe I don't have taste. And maybe I, you, are you someone who's constantly worried about what other people think? If so, let me just say this: It could be that you you're living for the approval of others. Here's another one, and and I'm not to rail on this, but it's kind of true. Are you someone who checks your social media like every single hour to see if there's new likes or comments? You you know what I mean? Like social media, I've said this before, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think we all agree it's kind of addicting. Like, have you ever gone on your phone and looked at your battery usage? and see the social media apps are at the very top of your, yeah, yeah, it's addicting and we get on it and not just for the drama, not just because we enjoy reading it, but then when we post things, let's be honest today, we care about how many likes it gets, we do. And and, and the way we do that is we keep checking, we keep checking, you ever do this because my thumb gets tired from sometimes pulling down? (laughs) Y'all know what it means to pull down, right? Refresh, refresh. Any more likes? It's been 15 minutes. Only three likes? Oh, my gosh. People don't, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have posted that. Maybe people don't like it. They don't like my hair. They don't like my outfit. I don't know what it is. And and so we're constantly refreshing because we we care about if people like us. We, We think a like for a post means a like for me. And 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 you know what's even greater than a like? When you refresh and then all of a sudden a new comment pops up. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I gotta go see, I gotta say what they say, what they say. And then you get on there and you're just hoping, praying that they'll respond. Oh, you look so cute. Oh, so adorbs. The little emoji with the little red heart eyes. And you're like, oh, it makes me feel feel so good about myself. (sighs) I can go on. If you're someone that is like obsessed with the response on social media i I want you to check something like you actually are probably living for the approval of others here's one that's more serious and yet i've seen this in my life are you someone that will tend to compromise your values because of what other people think You, you know where where you feel deep inside like you know what is right but all of a sudden, you find yourself doing things and you don't even know why you did it, but you really did it because you wanna impress. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was hanging out with some friends. We were in a downtown area and we walked into a music store. And while we're in this music store, I see this the CD I want, and I didn't have any money. And so I thought i would be super cool if I stole it. So I, it was on sale, five finger discount. And so I grabbed this CD and I stuck it in my book bag real fast and I'm telling you, I was raised to know better. I'd never stolen anything. My heart was beating out of my chest. I thought everybody was looking at me. You know, you do that, and it's like, I think, I think they're checking me out. I think they're looking at my bag. I think they know. And, and But I was like, I'm going through with this. So I stole the CD. And if you don't know what a CD is, ask your parents. They'll tell you. And you, I walked out of, of, of the thing. And I'm like, look what I did. Ha <laughs> ha. And I didn't even care about the band Ace of Bass that much. But I <laughs> don't, don't it was the 90s all right they were hot don't even all that she wants is another band. <laughs> y'all remember Ace of bass that was my jam and so I, I took the CD but I didn't care that much about honestly the band I cared more about impressing my friends if you're someone that finds yourself in a place where you're constantly compromising your values you lower your standards. I want you to understand why we do that. It's often because we're trying to get other people to like us. If you're someone that tends to put other people down at school, you put other people down at work, realize that you're really doing that so that you can feel better or look better in front of other people. It's actually because we long for approval. Here's another one that I have wrestled with at times, and I feel deeply convicted. Are you somebody that at times struggles to share your faith? Like, you know what Jesus has done in your life. Like, I know how much he's changed me. I know my how how my life would be completely different if it weren't for him. And you can know how real his love is and how much he's changed you and he's made a difference in your life and how you know he could make a difference in someone else's life. But then all of a sudden when there's an opportunity, why is it at times that we just, we don't say anything? Because we're thinking in the back of our minds, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to say something. They're going to think I'm a fanatic. They're going to ignore me. They won't talk to me anymore. And so we don't open our mouth. We don't share. We don't invite them to church. We don't say anything. Why? Because, because we're obsessed with what other people think even more than maybe what God thinks. See, when you live to approve, you live for the approval of others, we'll, we'll tend to not say anything when we know deep inside. It is the only thing that matters. Here, here's a fifth one that maybe will register with you. Are you somebody that has a hard time saying no? Are you someone that's like, and I know it looks so good when we say yes all the time. Are you somebody that even though you're overextended, you're too busy as it is, you don't have the money, you, don't, you can't do this, but you say yes anyways. You want to go out to eat? Yeah, let's go out to eat. I want them to like me. Do you, you? Let's do this, but yes, I, I can't afford the car, but I want to buy the car because I want them to like me. I want her to like me. Are you someone that can't say no? You always say yes. It could be there's an underlying thing inside of you, and that is a longing for the approval of others now listen if if some or any or all of these register with you i've got good news and i got bad news Uh, the the good news is you're not alone i think many of us if we're honest today we wrestle with this the bad news is you're a people pleaser i'm a people pleaser Or, or let me say it this way we have a disease to please i need to please and it becomes a mask, we don't even understand this, where we pretend to be someone, we don't have the money, but we want to impress them. We pretend to do this to get people to like us, and it's not really who we are. We pretend by compromising our values, and it's a mask that we wear. What's behind this mask? I want to talk about what's behind the mask. If you've got your Bible with you, I want to share a short story from Exodus chapter 32. So if you've got your Bible, if you want to open up to Exodus chapter 32... I believe this short story really helps paint a picture of why. What, what is it behind the mask that we wear, seeking for approval? Okay, Exodus chapter 32, it, it says this. So let, me, let me get the context because I think it's important first. It's a story about Moses and Aaron. If you've heard about it, Moses and Aaron are the two leaders that led the Israelite nation out of Egypt and out of slavery. They had been enslaved for over 400 years so God called Moses, and Aaron, his brother, went with him. And they got to witness the most incredible miracles, plagues, and all this power of God. And when they brought the Israelites out of Egypt, God took them to a place in a desert. And it was there that God wanted to meet with Moses. So God descended on the top of this mountain in like what was... Best way to describe it, it looked like it was on fire. Billowing smoke on top of this mountain. And so Moses says, I'm going up to meet with God... You're in charge, Aaron. I'm leaving you in charge. And so Moses goes up to meet with God, and this is where God would give him the law and the Ten Commandments, and God was just saying, now that you're free from the slavery, here's how I want you to live as a nation. Now, while they're gone, this is what happens, Exodus 32, verse 1. It says this, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, now Moses has probably been gone for a couple weeks. At one particular stint, he was gone for 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long he was gone. And after he had been gone for so long, the people start freaking out. They think maybe he's dead. He might have got burnt. I don't know. He was up on this mountain with God and (laughs) We don't know where he is. And Moses was their connection to God. Mo- Moses almost, I want to say, in their minds probably was like a God. They came from a culture that had all these different gods. And here's Moses who says, I'm here representing God. And they see the power of God. And now it seems to be gone. And it's with Moses. And here's what it says. If you got a Bible, I would underline this one statement or I'd highlight this. It says that all of the people gathered around Aaron. Like he was surrounded. I want you to picture this scene. Here's Aaron. He's left in charge. Imagine maybe dozens, if not hundreds of people all come to Aaron, and they gather around him. Can you imagine the pressure? incredible pressure. Aaron, we don't know what happened to Moses, and so we're looking to you. Come make us a God to go before us. So he's facing this incredible pressure to please. Can I tell you that this is often what pushes us to do this, is that we will feel a pressure. You will feel a pressure in school to want to please your friends. You're going to feel a pressure in life to want to impress all your friends. You're going to feel a pressure in your life. And it's almost like we get surrounded by culture, surrounded by everyone that we want to impress, and we just feel pressured into doing and saying and buying things that we shouldn't because we want to please them. So here's Aaron in the scene, surrounded. They gathered around him in oppression. What is Aaron going to say? Here's Aaron's response, verses two through four. It says Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings, and they brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him, and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool then they said these are your gods israel who brought you up out of egypt this is shocking to me isn't this the same aaron that god said you're the high priest of the israelites this is the same aaron that not just days before Okay, was standing in front of Pharaoh who was speaking on behalf of Moses. The same Aaron that would wave a staff over the Nile River and it turned to blood. The same Aaron who witnessed the miracles of God and parting of the Red Sea. The same Aaron who saw all of that the moment there was pressure he caved. Here's the irony of this story. God is with Moses on top of a mountain giving him the Ten Commandments. Aaron is at the base of that same mountain, making an idol. Do you know why that's ironic? If you know the first two of the Ten Commandments, it's incredibly ironic. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second is, you shall not make an image of anything and bow down and worship it. And so while God's telling Moses, this is how I want you to be, Aaron's down there leading the people into sin. As I look at this story and I thought about my life and I thought about how constantly living for the approval of others, it becomes a mask that we wear. Do you know what I truly believe is behind the mask if we could peel it off? The truth is this. What's behind the mask is the sin of idolatry. It's the sin of idolatry. I I know a lot of times when we hear idolatry, we immediately think about little statues and we think about little images and brazen images and things where people will go and they'll bow down before some kind of idol or image. And yeah, that's a form of idolatry. But can I tell you that there is an even more deceptive version of idolatry that is not an image that is in front of you, but it might be the image that is within you. My image. I... I care about my image. I care about what you think about me. I care about my image. Do you realize that your image can be an idol? That whenever you think about how other people see you, and it's more important than how God sees you, it's an idol. Whenever you elevate what people think about you above what God thinks about you, do you realize that's an idol? That's the very definition of an idol. The truth is this. I'm not so sure... That we can please God and please people. I'm not, I'm not so sure that we can. And so I'm wrestling with this because I'm like, is it really that bad to want to be wanted? Is it really that bad to want people to like me? Is it really that bad to want you to approve of me? Is it really that awful inside to, to want others, to want us? And what I would say is, no, it's not really that bad. It's not that bad to want to make people happy. It's not that bad to want people to be happy with you. But here's the line we cannot cross. Please listen to this truth. And that is this. If you ever have to displease God in order to please people, it is a sin. If you have to displease God in order to please someone else, It is a sin. If you're a young girl and you're thinking, I'm going to keep myself pure for my husband and I want to honor God in this way. I want to honor my future husband. And then all of a sudden you get a boyfriend and that boyfriend is starting to tell you about how much he loves you and he's starting to pressure. Aaron knows about that. He's starting to pressure you. Come on, would you sleep with me? I love you. Don't you love me? And you don't want to lose your boyfriend so you give in. I just lowered my standards. I lowered my values. Why? Because I cared about that boyfriend, more than I care about what God says. Whenever we elevate what other people think about us above what God says, it's actually sin. And it's a mask that we wear and it can often destroy us on the inside. Aaron was a leader, but he was not leading. Now, I, I want to tell you something. You need to recognize this. If you are a Christ follower, You are called to be a leader. I don't care about your title. I don't care if you're a supervisor, if you're a manager, if you're a boss, if you're a... Listen, I don't care about that. If you are a Christ follower, you are called to be a leader. Why? Because we're not called to follow the pattern of this world, but we're called to follow Christ, which means I can't go with what the world says, but I need to be a leader when it comes to Christ in this world. Now listen to this truth, because this hit me hard. I began as I realized and I'm reading this story I realized you cannot lead people and please people you can't lead people and please people it doesn't work I've tried it I've tried it when I first started uh, pastoring I I tried my best to please people like that was my goal was was I want to please everybody and because that was my goal There are times when I recognize, I look back, that I didn't make certain decisions that I should have made as a leader. I didn't make them soon enough. I didn't make them quick enough. Here's why, because I wanted you to like me. I wanted that person to like me. And I knew that if I made a decision that was hard, that they would all get upset and they wouldn't understand and they wouldn't like me. And so for the longest time, I didn't lead, but I was actually following. We can do that in our lives you can do that in your life you you're called to be a leader but instead we end up being like aaron we become a follower he did what everybody asked him to do so we end up wearing a mask longing for the approval of others how do we remove this mask How do we shed this? How how do we get to a place where we can live liberty, live in freedom, and say, I don't care if you don't like me, if you don't approve of me, I'm good with it. How do we get to that place? I want to share with you two thoughts today. Two thoughts that if this is something you wrestle with, I would write this down. Two thoughts that can really change your life. The first one is this. We need to learn to serve one, not please everyone. Live to serve one. And not please everyone. L- let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1.10, because he spoke to this. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Which is it? He said, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, he said this, I would not be a whom? Everyone say it out loud. I would not be a servant of Christ. Do you know that it is taking me a very long time, decades of my life, to learn this very real truth about life? If you're young, listen to this right now, because if you can capture this, it will set you free. I have learned this truth. It is impossible to please everyone. Amen? Amen? It is impossible to please everyone, and yet, I have tried so much in my life to do that. I want to make everybody happy. Some of you feel like that. You feel the tug and the pull in life. I'm trying to make everyone happy. And so what we end up doing is we say, yes, everything. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll be this. Yes, I'll look this way. Yes, I'll do this. And and what we don't realize is that logging for a pleasing everyone No one ends up satisfied, and the truth is this, that you continue doing that, you're a follower, you're not a leader, and all of a sudden, you're going to realize that I'm living to please everyone, and I am not serving the one that matters. He's the one that matters. Can can I say, parents, can I say something about this? Because there's a trap we fall into, parents, to say yes to our kids for everything, We'll say yes to our kids. Why? Because I want them to like me. I want him to, I want him to love me. I want him to think highly of. I want him to think I'm the greatest mom in the world. I want him to think he's the greatest dad in the world. And so we'll say yes, 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 yes to everything. And all of a sudden what you're doing is you are not leading them. You are following them and they are calling the shots and you don't even realize that what God has called you is not to be their best friend, but to be the leader of the home, to be the parent in the home, to be someone who sets the standards and says, no, this is who we are. And so listen, if we can learn this now, I'm living to serve one, not to please everyone, because I can't. I discovered this shortly after I went into full-time ministry. I discovered this when God began to inspire me as this is what we're supposed to do as a church. In the moment I started leading, you know what happened? Some people started leaving. Leaving. The moment I started leading, that's when some people left. And it was really hard to deal with. But as long as I wasn't leading based on the way God had called me to and the vision he put in my heart, can I tell you what was happening? We were completely ineffective as a church. I was trying to please everybody in how I preach, and I didn't want to offend anybody. I wanted to step on toes, and the moment God convicted me, and he says, listen, don't preach for them. You preach for me. You preach what I say, and what I put on your heart to preach, and you preach the truth, and you don't worry about it, and the moment I started doing that, guess what? That's the moment we started to see people's lives change, and hundreds and hundreds would come to Christ. So listen, what I'm trying to say is, if you will just grasp this now, I live to serve one, not to please everyone not everybody's gonna be happy with you all the time but if God is honored by the way I live that's all that matters in every part of life Colossians 3 23 says this whatever you do work as if it's for the Lord and not for human masters Whatever you do, work at it like it's for God. I'm I'm living to serve one, not please everyone. And then the second thought is this: we got to learn this. Live from the approval of God and not for the approval of others. What does it mean to live from the approval of God and not for the approval of others? Well, Apostle Paul said these words in First Thessalonians 2, verse 4. He said, On the contrary, We speak as those who were what? Everyone say it out loud. Who were approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. He says, we're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Paul recognizes something that I think so many of us are striving for, even with God. and That is, I want God to approve of me trying really hard going to church trying to do the right things to try not to say those words i just i want to be approved by god i just want god to approve of me paul would say no you don't understand something you're totally missing the whole picture and that is you need to realize that you're already approved by god what, what does this mean how do we understand this maybe the best way i could describe this for you today is as a parent if you're a parent maybe you're gonna get this if you're not someday you will if you become a parent i remember the day that both of my children were born like it was yesterday you remember that day like it's 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 a moment in your life you will never forget i remember that day so well and i'm pretty sure my wife remembers it even better than i did (laughs) for a good reason i remember the moment that I would lay eyes on my daughters, that feeling that comes over you as a parent, especially the first time, right? Like, you think, I, I couldn't love, I don't have enough room to love anybody more than I do my spouse or my, my family and my brother, sister, and then all of a sudden, you have a baby, you have a child. The moment you see that baby, something inside of you shifts. Like in that moment, you are so head over heels in love with that child, right? That's why we post pictures and we're like, I have the most adorable baby in the world. Come on, we all know that newborns are anything but pretty. They are ugly, but we can't see that. And we post the pictures and we don't on them because we're totally in love with them. And the truth is this, from the moment I saw my daughters, I realized they, you know what? They totally had me. Listen, I loved them so much and they had never even once taken out the trash. I loved them. They never once cleaned their room. They never once brought home an A, They never once did any of that and they didn't have to because I'm their father and I love them that much. Do you realize that's the way your heavenly father feels about each and every one of you? <laughs> that when your heavenly father looks down and he sees you, he says, I love you for you. You don't need to wear a mask. You don't need to try to get me to love you any more than I already do. I love. And I think the, the reason why we struggle to think God sees us this way is because of how we see ourselves. The reason why it's so hard for us to think that God sees us that way is because in our minds, we picture all of the things that we've done. We picture the stealing a CD. We we picture hurting people. We we picture our failed relationships. We picture the wrong thoughts that we entertain. We picture the sinful things, the addictions that we do. And so we think, there's no way that God could see me this way. And so then we're always trying to get approval from everyone else and from God. But I wanna let the truth of God's word sink into your heart today. If you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with God through Christ, you need to know exactly how your father sees you. Because Second Corinthians 5:21 says this, God made him talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of god here's what that means god doesn't see how you've hurt people god doesn't see your failed marriage god doesn't see the mistakes you've made god doesn't see all those things when he looks down at you if you are in christ all he sees is someone who is perfect all he sees is someone he says you are exactly the way i picture you should be that's the way your heavenly father sees you if you're in christ So I want this truth to resonate in your heart, and that is this. Your worth is not based on what people think about you, but it is solely based on what God says about you. Do you know that? It's not based on what people think. It's based on what God said about you. You know what God says about you? You know God says? If anyone is in Christ, you are brand new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says you're a new person. You're not just modified. You're not just improved a little bit. But God looks at you and says you're new, completely new. When God looks at you, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3. In other words, God says, I have loved you from the beginning of time. Before the world was ever founded, and well after you're alive on this earth, you need to know something. God says, I have loved you unconditionally. There's nothing you could do like that little baby that would get God to love you any more than he already does. God says, you are forgiven. Psalm 103 says that if any of us confess our sins, He says God is so faithful that in His mercy that He separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't see that. He sees His righteousness. God says you're forgiven. God says you as his masterpiece. Ephesians 2 10 says we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance. God says this is who you really are. God says you are loved. God says you're his masterpiece and God says you're an heir. My, my position is a servant of Christ but God doesn't see me as a servant. He sees me as a son. He sees you as a daughter. You're his child. You're like the new dad is holding the baby. He says, You're perfect in every way. Without doing anything, you're perfect as you are. Today, maybe this is something that you've wrestled with, longing for the approval of others. I, I pray that today, if you're here, you would know, you would know God is a father, a loving father that says you already are approved. Would you bow your heads above their campuses? Would you just take this moment to reflect? Maybe allow God's spirit to speak to your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you that I don't deserve the love that you give, but you gave it anyways. God, we're here today declaring that we're tired of trying to get approval from every person around us. We're tired of living our lives in a way that would please other people. And yet we're not truly even at liberty in our lives. God, I pray right now by your spirit that you are speaking to people. I I just want to pray for you today. If you're someone like me, and I'm I'm putting myself into this category. If you're someone like me today and you're saying, you know what, I, I wrestle with this. I worry too much what people think. I've lowered my standards at times. I've been afraid to speak up. I I have at times longed for people to, to be happy with me that I don't even know at times when I'm displeasing God. If that's you today, I want to pray that God would break that chain that holds on to you. Would you just, as we're praying, would you just lift your hand if that's you today so I can see? I want to pray for you here and in Lancaster. Would you just hold your hand up high? There's many holding their hands up. Be honest. Just say, that's me. There's more. There's more of you. We're just raising our hands. Father, I pray for every person. You see the hands. God, today we're declaring we don't want this anymore. We want want to be free of this. God, I pray right now we could operate and live from the approval of you, our Father. That we don't need it from those around us. So God, I pray you help us to take this mask off. Help us, God, to live an authentic life where we live serving the one, not trying to please everyone. Listen as we're still praying. I wonder if there's maybe someone here today or in Lancaster watching this online The truth is you've always viewed God from this lens You're trying to get God to approve of you by acting better Going to church more Listen, the truth is that's called religion Religion is trying to please God But the difference between that and christianity is christianity is not a religion it's about a relationship with the father through jesus what jesus did for you and me is he came and he lived a sinless life and he died the death that we deserve to die on a cross it was there that all of our sins are transferred to him so that when god sees us he does not see all of our sin but he sees the righteousness that we have from jesus and i believe maybe there's some of you today that that it's time for you to begin a relationship with God. You've seen God through religion, put that away. It's time for a relationship. You say, I wanna know God as a father. I wanna know that I'm forgiven. I wanna know that I'm loved. I wanna know that he approves of me. And you can do that by responding by faith to his invitation. You don't have to strive for it, you just receive it. And so if that's you today, I wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of faith. You say, Heavenly Father, Today I come to you as someone who has tried so much to be good, to be approved. And I recognize now it doesn't work. So I thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. That he would take my efforts and my sin. That God, you would see me as righteous. That we could have a relationship. God, I want to know a father that loves me with an everlasting love unconditionally and so i'm giving my life to you today i want to begin a relationship with you today make me new today i pray this in the name of jesus christ my savior and everyone said come on let's celebrate today with all those who prayed that prayer amen